Is that man fetishising you? Hmm. Well, first of all, let's discuss what is a fetish, because for the most part, I think we generally are of the belief that a fetish is usually something that's quite a niche interest in terms of sexual context. So it could be that there are people in the world who have a fetish for fat women, or there are people in the world who have a fetish for women who wear glasses. There are even people in the world who have a fetish for women who are teachers. It just comes down to having a niche sexual attraction to a group of people who conventionally would either slip under the radar or or it might be seen as something, depending on how niche and taboo that fetish is considered, it might be something that other people would kind of look at you funny for. So I know that fetishes usually are things that are seen as secret and kinky and, like I said before, niche, but fetishes don't just stop there. I personally believe that most men have a fetish for women and sometimes it's that they have a fetish for women's emotional labour or they have a fetish for the way that woman reminds him of his mother or some men have a fetish for being taken care of by women who have more money than them and that fetish often goes hand in hand with sexual gratification because within sexual context Within sexual context, a fetish usually means that you have a sexual attraction to that particular feature or that thing or that characteristic. So I've noticed in society there are many pairings that I notice when it comes to fetishes that men have towards women. Um, one of the ones that I've noticed is the dynamic between uh, older women and younger men. We usually call women who date younger men cougars and that title is often used to describe women who are like from their 40s and upwards. We don't really, I don't really see people calling like 30, 30, women, 30 year old women or women in their 30s cougars per se, even if those women in their 30s are dating men who are at least five years younger than them. We don't really call them cougars, which is quite interesting. But I do notice that, yeah, the word cougar is usually reserved for women who are 40 and up. And when we explore that particular pairing of the older woman and the younger man, let's use like a woman in her 40s as an example. And, you know, situations where a woman in her 40s is a cougar and she's dating this like, I don't know, 26 year old man um it's interesting because we place a lot of emphasis on the woman and you know there is often more shame than celebration towards a woman who chooses to date younger men usually it's the idea that like oh she's got a toy boy or you know she's trying to feel young again <laughs> when I don't think that's where it should end and I don't think there's anything wrong with a woman wanting a toy boy depending on what toys he has <coughs> cough money <laughs> I think what's interesting as well is when we observe the cougar dynamic we don't really place enough attention on the younger man in that situation and what he's getting out of it why is he choosing to be with an older woman because a lot of times when you come across younger men who date older women, that older woman that he's dating probably isn't the first older woman he's been with. 
And even if that is the first older woman he's been with, there's usually a beneficial reason why that younger man is with the older woman. Because, you know, living in a society that is governed by patriarchy, men rarely interact intimately with women without having a selfish benefit in their favour. So, with the younger man that is in this older woman cougar romantic dynamic, I am of the belief that that younger man probably has what I would call like a mommy kink. (laughs) And I say it's a mommy kink because when you think about an older woman dating a younger man, automatically, if that older woman hasn't interrogated her own thought patterns and her own conditioning, automatically she's gonna lean into that caretaker role because societally speaking, we already have all been indoctrinated with the belief and the upbringing that women and girls develop way faster than men. Some people say that if a man is 28 you need to take 10 years off his age and mentally count him as 18 and you know if you apply that across the age groups of men so if a man is 58 give him 48 mentally if a man is I don't know 21 give him 11 mentally it's more about referencing the levels of maturity that that man has so you know talking about the mommy kink and an older woman having business with a younger man it's like Interesting because, like I said, if she hasn't interrogated her thought patterning and she hasn't, you know, made room to question her own beliefs regarding age and how men behave, more than likely she's going to be thrust into the role of kind of being that man's caretaker or kind of making more excuses for him than she would make for a man of her own age because he's younger. So maybe his prefrontal cortex hasn't finished developing, which is usually the case up until the age of 25. That's a part of your brain that finishes developing when you're 25. So if you're dating someone, a man who is 25 or younger, his brain literally hasn't finished completing its growth process. Um, And if you're an older woman and you're dating a younger man, and we're keeping in mind the idea of subtracting 10 years from his age, intellectually, mentally, emotionally, in terms of development, you're definitely going to be in a caretaker role. And men usually go towards women who are likely to make more excuses for them and who are likely to take care of them more. So if I, if I see a young man dating an older woman, <laughs> especially with a man of my age, I'm like, what are you doing there? What are you looking for there? Because we know that the woman gets an ego and validation and self-esteem boost from being able to say that she can still attract younger men. But you need to ask yourself, why are you still attracting younger men? Because, yeah, you you being hot is part of it. But I do feel like a lot of these younger men are looking for someone that's going to mother them and make excuses for them. <clears throat> and maybe even financially support these men. Because when I see a man in his 20s with a woman in her 40s, I'm wondering, unless it's an exceptional scenario, and this exceptional scenario, it's not impossible, it's just exceptional for a reason. The exceptional scenario being that this younger man is so financially stable, he's so mature, he is so level-headed that he is the one that is 
taking on the role he should take on as a man in that dynamic where he is actually providing financial support to that older woman. He is being a gentleman. He is creating such a comforting, loving, warm, relaxing environment, so much so that that older woman does not even have to work. You rarely see that happen. So I do feel like younger men who date older women probably fetishize that older woman so that they can experience a mommy kink. Now, when we flip it round and we observe dynamics between older men and younger women, this is a lot more common in our society. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio is a hilarious example, so much so that memes have been made of <laughs> the girlfriends he has had in the past who have all been like 25 and under and he's like in his 50s and I only say I only do the cringe face because I've heard a lot of interesting and strange things about Leonardo DiCaprio um, and I'm wondering what those young women are seeing behind the scenes <laughs> and having to deal with because I don't necessarily believe that it's always going to be gross if you're a younger woman um, dating a man in his 40s or 50s. I think we need to go outside more often and not just go according to what's fed to us in the media or not just go according to the most sensationalised examples of what an older man looks like because there are many men in their 40s and 50s who take great care of themselves and they have very similar build to a man in his late 30s, you know? <laughs> so I'm saying all that to say that it doesn't, to me, feel gross uh, to imagine an older man dating a younger woman if that younger woman is having all of her needs met. And, you know, of course, no relationship is ever going to be perfect. You're not entirely 100% going to have every single thing you want from someone, whether you're dating someone of your age or older or younger. But it's about having your core needs met. And if I'm a 25-year-old, or even the age I'm 28 now, as of when I'm speaking, if I... I'm dating a man that is like 50s or 40s, the needs I would have would be, you know, I don't want to have to dip into my pockets when I'm around you. As long as I'm dating you, I will be financially provided for. That would be a core need for me. I would expect that if you're in your 40s and your 50s, you would have the emotional maturity and intelligence to actually be able to connect with me in the way that I know that I connect with other people. I would also expect that you have a desire to please me and you are devoted to facilitating my joy. And because you are much older, I believe that career-wise, you will have naturally reached a place where you have evolved to a position in your job or in the field of work you're in where you do experience success, not just financially, but you feel proud of your accomplishments as a man. So you do not need to try and make me feel smaller because you're jealous of my own accomplishments as a woman because I feel like, you know... <clears throat> The older a man is, usually the more accomplished technically he kind of is supposed to be if he has spent a long time in that particular field of work he's been in or if he has developed enough experience in that particular passion that he works in. I don't expect 
men of my age or a bit younger or even 10 years older to have the same level of success that a man in his 40s and 50s would have on paper unless the men of my age are men who have managed to make it big for themselves through you know more modern vocational fields like maybe they work in marketing in a position where they make a lot of money or maybe they are an influencer I wouldn't date an influencer but you know what I'm saying in terms of the example of younger people who are making as much money as people in their 40s and 50s statistically are likely to be making depending on the job they're in or maybe that man is a footballer you know there are loads of young people making the money that older people are making from spending 20 years in a career but if I'm dating an older man I hope it's clear that (laughs) I would expect full-on provision, nothing less. So when we look at the older man who is dating younger women, you know, the fetish is that usually they want, that man wants to feel younger. Of course, like the fetish is that he expects for that younger woman to not be as intelligent or self-aware because the women of his own age they've clocked on they know the jig is up (laughs) but also biologically speaking the women of his age will probably be pre-menopausal or already going through menopause or are just experiencing bodily changes in such a way that maybe those women aren't as sexually interested because you know we go through different stages as human beings you know you've got puberty where you discover your your body starts to change and you discover your sexuality and you feel more sexually inclined and then it kind of maybe plateaus and peaks and plateaus and peaks throughout the remaining chunk of your adulthood until if you have a uterus then you experience menopause and you know your body changes once again you don't really feel as sexual and then you get past the menopause and maybe you might feel sexual again and you know there are a lot of men who don't have the patience or that nuanced love and appreciation for women to actually still want to hang around through that phase of an older woman's life which is why they go for younger women and they fetishize that youth so there's that and then talking about men fetishizing women I've also noticed the dynamic between white men and black women. And this one is a way more obvious fetish when we're talking about different categories of fetishization. Because when we think about porn and the categories in porn, there's like what they call ebony, which is black people usually black women obviously there's fat women there's like big boobs there's um what do they call it 18 18 yeah even though that's just very murky territory but those are usually the core categories and those are like the main fetishes that majority of people in society have so black women are a key fetish for white men and of course there is nuance I'm not going to necessarily say that every single white man who is attracted to a black woman has a fetish for black women. That doesn't negate the reality that majority of white men who are attracted to black women probably have a fetish. And, you know, what's interesting about fetishes is that, you know, a fetish isn't inherent. In my opinion, a fetish isn't inherently, like, 
malevolent or evil or bad. It's how you treat people based on your sexual preference for them. So if you fetishize black women as a white man by, you know, focusing on their asses or you only date black women, but when we double tap and zoom into your dating experience with black women, you've not even treated them well. So you're basically only dating them to experience the sexual fantasy of being with a black woman. Because I th- I feel like if... <clears throat> If a white man enjoys dating black women, he also needs to enjoy financially taking care of black women. He also needs to enjoy distributing reparations to black women in his life. <laughs> like, I'm going to need to see it from all angles, babe. Like, it can't just be that you like black women because we have dark skin and most of us have big asses and we have... Uh, been socialized to believe that black women are hypersexual so for that reason that's why you're drawn to black women like it has to be more than that (laughs) and for me as a black woman whose dating history looks like a fucking united colors of of benetton advert (laughs) meaning that my dating history is very diverse okay we do not discriminate based on race around here we are mainly focused on treatments finances and overall energy (laughs) so I've dated white men in the past would I date a white man again yes if he has money if a white man does not have money I'm not looking in his direction not even there's nothing to talk about there's nothing to talk about I wouldn't even engage with a white sub if he doesn't have money because reparations needs to be needs to be part of our foundation here in our dynamic the fuck (laughs) but I Say all this to say, if you're a black woman and you know that white men are attracted to you for whatever reason, you need to do what is in your power to leverage that. You should leverage that because he wants to leverage your sexuality. He wants to leverage having access to you sexually. So you better be getting your reparations. He better be paying bills for you. He better be running errands for you. He better be just of use. He needs to be of service. He needs to be of service because guess who guess who was of service to his ancestors for free under duress in captivity right then <laughs> now what's interesting is observing the dynamics between black men and white women when we're talking about fetishes because What I've noticed is a lot of the time, again, not all the time, but most of the time, when I see black men exploring their attraction to white women, it's often in conjunction with their disdain for black women. So a lot of black men are attracted to white women because they don't like black women, because they don't like their mums who are black women. And it's quite a peculiar something because (laughs) when black women say this, you know, we get shut down, we get told we're jealous. For me, I can never be jealous of a white woman because she doesn't have what I have. She will never have what I have. I don't have, I don't want what she has. I want what I have. Um, But it is quite fascinating to observe the ways that 
black men who date white women, the way those men talk about black women. And sometimes you'll hear things like, you know, oh, I prefer to date white women because black women are too stush. I prefer to date white women because black women, your your hair is too rough. Or all this kind of anti-black shit. Like it's a lot, it's hella anti-blackness, right? And it's hella internalised anti-blackness. And of course, it comes from a disdain towards their own mother. And usually, part of that disdain is formed when they saw their own mother being treated badly by their dad, who was also a black man. And they probably internalised the belief that black women are the bottom of the barrel because look how black women are treated and... In media, we don't see black women being positioned as, like, you know, trophies or arm candy or whatever it is that we see white women being positioned and pedestalized as. And that all forms part of the conditioning in a young black man's mind. And, yeah, a man's dating history tells you a lot. Because I'm not with these new wave black men who their majority of the dating history has been white women and they've now suddenly gone through an awakening where they suddenly want a black queen sister, love your dark skin woman. Oh, you go, you go queen their way into some black pussy because they think that black women have such low self-esteem that all we want to hear is that we're called queen and that they love our afros now and they love our hashtag melanin. And it's like, well, if I'm such a queen then I'm looking forward to seeing the way you're going to treat this queen's finances. You're going to you're gonna pay this queen's bills? Because if you're going to call me a queen, you're going to need to treat me like royalty. And last time I checked, royalty doesn't have to lift a finger to do anything. Ooh. <laughs> Off the back of that, I think there's something fascinating about the dynamics between mixed-race men and black women. Because I do think that there is a fetish going on there too. And this fetish is very different in the sense that there are some mixed race men. Because look, I'm of the belief, yeah, that there's two different types of mixed race people. There are the mixed race people who have a black mother and a white father. And then there are the mixed race people who have a white mother and a black father. Obviously, there are other mixes of mixed race people. For example, you can be a mixed race person who has two mixed race parents. When I say there are two types of mixed race people, I'm talking in the context of fetishes in dating. So when I refer to the mixed race men who have a black mother and a white dad and the mixed race men who have a white mother and a black dad there's clear differences I've noticed because when a mixed race man has a white mum yeah oftentimes majority of his dating history if not all his dating history is white women and I've noticed personally that when a mixed race man has a black mother and a white dad from my findings from my scientific research in the field <clears throat> I've seen that that man, usually, his dating history, there's some dark-skinned women in there. There's some black women in there. Okay? So, when we talk about mixed-race men who have a fetish for black women, and when I say mixed-race men who have a fetish for black women, I'm talking 
black women who are visibly black, okay? Like, I'm not talking the black where it's like, oh, I'm mixed with this. And I'm just saying, like, no one's going to walk past you in the street and mistake you for anything other than black, type black, like me. Like, I never had anybody assume that I'm white. <laughs> I've always been treated like the black person that I am. And I feel like my skin tone is like probably like at the end of that threshold before you now consider someone being mixed race, right? Like I, there are people that are mixed race who are like probably the same skin tone as me, but my hair, my hair texture kind of gives away that I'm black, black, like both parents type black. Anyway, sticking to the topic we're discussing here of mixed race men who date black women and have a fetish for black women. I'd be noticing, right, the mixed race men who have white mothers who those same men, like they have a fetish for black women, I'm curious to know why you now want to date black women. I'm curious to know how you see black women because oftentimes, yeah, like men are drawn to women who remind them of their mothers. Whether that's aesthetically, whether that's the way that woman makes him feel, there's usually something that, that there's usually like a familiar comfort in that woman that that man sees in his mother as well. And when I've observed mixed race men whose dating history has been pretty much white women because their mother is white, I ain't mad at that. It's like, okay, like, it makes sense. Of course you're going to love women who have the image of your mother. But then it's like, why do you not want to come to black women? What are you looking for here? Hmm? Are you looking for some sort of homecoming cultural research experience to suddenly feel close to your blackness and you want to use a black woman to do that? You finished, you finished getting your ego boost from white women and now you want to come to black women to come and get your, your rocks off and suddenly feel like you're coming back home to yourself now. You want that black woman to educate you about yourself. You want that black woman to teach you your language. <laughs> now you've come to me for an educational experience. You've come to me for character building. Because what I've observed when we flip this fetish the other way around and we observe white women who like to in mixed race men. Some, not all, most not all. They have a fetish with the dark skinned man too. They have a fetish for the, for the men that like, you know, uh, got, got a little bit of olive to their skin tone. Like they, they love that whole, like, you know, cultural excitement. And, and a lot of these mixed race men, a lot of these black men, they enjoy being desired by white women. They enjoy being fetishized by white women. That's why I'm not, I'm not in the business of saving black men from white women. That's their problem. Because they're the ones that's choosing to go there. That's got nothing to do with me, brother. You go do what you want to do. Just stay over there with that. I'm more focused on encouraging black women to have higher self-esteem and to prioritize partnering with men who care about them and see them in their entirety regardless of whether that man is black mixed race or white whatever that man appears to be whoever treats you the best whoever shows you the most love is is usually where you should go but I'm skeptical of the mixed race men who you know after they're done getting all their attention from white women then I want to come to black women Get, go there go there to your burrata cheese and your uh, basil pesto. Good, yeah. Don't come here. <laughs> <clears throat> now, another fetish dynamic that I found interesting is black men, and these are usually dark-skinned black men, black men and mixed-race women. This one's an interesting one. Um... 
because where this duo stands out the most in society is actually in the football world, I've observed, where there's this ongoing conversation about how you rarely see dark-skinned black footballers with black wives, visibly black wives. Like, they usually go for the sort of typical light-skinned, mixed-race, Instagram model-looking woman. And I understand why they go there. It's because of what our society currently positions as a symbol of success. Back in the day, we would mainly see black footballers with white women because back then, I think white women were more pedestalized as an emblem of having made it in the world. Now I think that's changed slightly where the more ethnically ambiguous woman slash mixed race woman with the BBL kind of look and the baby hairs is now seen as more of an asset visually and more of a trophy and more of a sign that you are in high society and you made it. Like, you know, I, I, I've observed that and I find that quite peculiar because usually when black dark-skinned men are fetishizing mixed-race women is because they want that image of success and they want they don't want to have no dark-skinned child like, again when we look at what motivates a lot of black men's dating preferences if those dating preferences are not dark-skinned black women oftentimes those dating preferences are rooted in anti-blackness a lot of if not most of the black footballers or the black men who prefer specifically to date ethnically ambiguous or mixed race, super light skinned women is because they don't want to have no dark skinned babies with type four hair. And by type four hair, I mean the tightly coiled, most coarse hair texture amongst human beings. They don't want that because it's still rooted in self-hate and they don't like their mums. <laughs> like it's really not that complicated. It's anti-blackness. So that's why I'm very side-eye, side-eye towards a black man who they prefer to date mixed-race women. I ain't got nothing against mixed-race women. Mixed-race women ain't done nothing to me. Mixed-race women didn't choose to be mixed-race. They didn't choose how they were born or who they were born to or whose vagina they came out of. But it's major side-eye to the black men who only date light-skinned women. That's very somehow... That's very somehow, sir. It's... Mmm tastes like anti-blackness to me <laughs> and look I know that there'll be mixed race women who hear that and get really offended because they have not done any work whatsoever to observe let alone identify the position that they hold as light-skinned people in society they don't do that kind of work because they don't feel like they need to and I understand some people don't want to do that work. And that's fine, isn't it? Not every people don't have to people don't owe anybody any critical thinking, innit? It would be nice if mixed race people could critically think, but they ain't gonna do that in it. And that's okay. What I'm saying is I'm observing that there are certain things happening in it, and I'm just pointing out the observations. And from my findings, black men who avoid dating black women and prefer to date mixed race slash light skin slash ethnically ambiguous women are usually doing so from an unattended to 
internalized misogyny. Well, I should even say internalized misogynoir because it's the hate of black women. And then another dynamic that I've observed is black men and black women. Now, some people would argue that, you know, a black man can't fetishize a black woman because, you know, they're of the same ilk. Well, 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 you'll be surprised, actually, because black women be getting fetishized for their ability to expend endless amounts of emotional labor. Their ability to be the mother, the matriarch, while having the patriarch somehow also ruling the household. Because a lot of black men are drawn to the idea of a powerful, brave, confident, bold, attractive black woman submitting to him. So a lot of these black men be fetishizing black women for the fantasy of submission. They want that woman to submit to them to make them feel like a man. They want to have that woman there in the house telling that woman, oh, I don't, li I don't like it when you wear makeup to go out. When you go out, make sure you keep your, your sleep bonnet on your head and, 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 and don't wear no nice clothes because they don't want you to be the centre of attention because if you was to actually look nice and dress well and feel good about yourself, you're going to attract more attention and you're going to attract a man who can do way more for you than that black man that's trying to encourage you to look unkept. He wants you to look unkept so that you won't get no attention. And then on top of that, when you're now looking unkept for him, he's automatically gonna not, not, he's not going to desire you as much. He's going to be desiring the women who look the way he doesn't want you to look. And you know what happens next after that, usually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So when I say that between black men and black women, I've observed that sometimes there is that fetishy element of fetishizing black women for their labor and for their ability to unconditionally love black men. It's not a joke, you know, uh, because I see this happening with the natural hair dreadlock having sisters. And listen, underneath my ever-changing wigs, I'm literally a natural hair dreadlock having sister. But I don't carry that mindset of, oh, build him, uh, build him up and uh, be his peace. Mm, and... Uh, if your man is struggling, take on that load for him because the black man is carrying the world on his shoulders mm, and you must help him and, and, and build his peace for him. I'm not doing that. I'm just not doing that. <laughs> because black women are the world's doormats. So... I'm not doing no be anybody's peace. Look, if he can't find his peace, he 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 got to go find it in it. It's good luck with that one. Like, listen, I'm a beautiful woman who's also trying to survive a misogynoiristic planet. Yeah, I ain't gonna be nobody's peace. You need to you need to go and create your own peace, and let that be an endless supply that you can nurture and generate on your own. That's your own job as an individual human being. I'm here to simply echo your peace if your peace already exists, because I am merely a mirror. <laughs> a sexy mirror for that matter but you know when you're a black woman you have to be really careful how you carry yourself especially around black men because if you are one of those black women that be into your spiritual crystal healing uh, herbs uh mother earth energy you love your astrology all them type shit there are there's a particular category not even categories particular group of black men that will specifically seek you out 
and fetishize your savior complex because they know that you're going to bring your crystals over here to him. Bring all your crystals and your herbs and your uh, sacred womb, Yoni, and come and be and come and be giving him energy he don't deserve. Hmm? Come and be healing the man who don't deserve it. Because hmm? you want to come and do sacred Yoni. Brav, listen, if your Yoni is as sacred as you say it is, then you ain't got no business trying to build no man because your Yoni is sacred and your energy is limited. You don't have an endless amount of time on this world. So in that same respect, it's about having self-respect and yeah, not letting men, not letting black men take advantage of you because you're a spiritual womb, dreadlock having, crystal owning sister like me. <laughs> See, this is the thing. This is why I know there's a lot of black men who hate me so much because I'm too smart. I'm too smart. And I don't mean smart as in, oh, she got a PhD. I don't even have a PhD, girl. I failed university at degree level. But when I say I'm too smart, I mean like it's streetwise in terms of knowing how to spot men's game. They hate that shit. They hate that shit, man. If you're going to be a smart woman, you need to be, yeah, be smart in whatever it is that's your field of, of expertise. But don't be smart enough to let him know that you're smarter than him. <laughs> <laughs> because when black men see black women like me making the work that I make where I encourage black women to have higher self-esteem, statistically speaking, the work that I'm doing is having enough of an effect on their dating options, so much so that they're less likely to have access to pussy because more black women will have higher self-esteem as a result of listening to my work. So I'm definitely spoiling their game. <laughs> Get your money up. Get your self-esteem up, go read a book, go like go on a spiritual journey and go figure out who you are. Stop trying to like finger people and leave your nasty energy inside women's vaginal canals, man. Go find something that sustains you and fulfills you outside of a woman's sexuality. And then maybe you have something tangible and useful and infinite to offer. But until then, you're going to have to stay mad at this podcast existing because you're not my type never going to date you and the women who choose to listen to my work are eventually never going to date you too so good luck because the revolution is coming and you will not be coming during this revolution <laughs> and I think another dynamic to observe in the the fetishization of women is another obvious one male subs and female doms i mean this one is pretty obvious you know there are men who will fetishize you for your power but they don't want you to have actual power they still want they still want you to be a little bit powerless but still power over them so i'll explain what i'm saying there was a time when i went to one of these usual dominatrix kink events that I go to and there was a male sub that I met there I want to say he was like in his late 40s I want to give him late 40s or super early 50s yeah at most and he was a very typical looking like silver fox white woman's fantasy you know like he was good looking had the white hair and he was obviously an older man and he was a sub and you know he he came up to me he saw me standing came up to me 
And he gave me a compliment, something along the lines of me looking very beautiful. And I nodded and smiled. And he kind of just started hanging around, you know, as they usually do. But he, I think he was on his knees next to me. Was he on his knees next to me? He was on his knees next to me. And I was sat on a chair at this point. And he asked me if I needed anything. And usually when men ask me if I need anything, especially subs, even if I don't need anything, I make up something that I need just to introduce that dynamic of them doing shit for me. So usually I ask them for bottled still water because at these events that I go to, the Dominatrix Goddess events, they serve drinks and usually they serve the the drinks in open cups unless it's water that's bottled. Duh. So I, the first task that I give them when they ask me, goddess, do you need anything? I say, yes, I would like a bottle of bottled still water. And I usually enunciate my words clearly and emphasize properly that I want the still water to be bottled because I don't accept water in an open cup from a man who has gone to a bar to go and get it from me and has come back. I don't know what you've put in that drink by the time you've come back here. So the bottle has to be sealed for obvious reasons. So this particular Mr. Silver Fox. He asked me, what, do you need anything, goddess? I said, yes, I want bottled still water. He went to the bar. Maybe he didn't hear me properly. Maybe he only heard the still water bit. He came back with a cup of still water. And I said, no, I asked you for bottled still water. And he kind of had that look in his face of like, you know, when someone gets something wrong. I wasn't going to accept the open cup of water just because he's upset that he didn't get it right. I don't care. Go and do it again. Go back and get me bottled still water. So he went back and got me bottled still water. <clears throat> And when he handed it to me, I didn't say thank you. I said, very good. Thank you is reserved for when you do something that has a bit more gravitas to it. Okay. But anyway, he brought me the water. Then he politely asked if he could open it for me. I can open the water myself. But again, it's about if they offer to do something for you, get them to do it for you. Because that's the whole point of the dom and sub dynamic. So I gave him the water to open for me. He opened it for me. And um, I drank a few sips of the water, covered it back and put it next to my side. And then he still remained kneeled next to me. And we got into a conversation and then he started asking me what I do. Now, I like to view every interaction I have with a guy as some sort of experiment because I just don't see men as a loss if I don't end up connecting with them for the long run. Like I just don't feel any sense of precious desire to cling on to a man so I tell different guys different things about myself I throw shit at the wall and I see what sticks and what doesn't whatever sticks I go and observe why it stuck whatever doesn't stick I go and observe why it didn't stick so in this case I had no fucks he asked me what I do and because it's no secret that I'm a dominatrix I don't feel any need to hide my um wider life slash vanilla life if you want to call it that so when he asked me what I do I told him that I'm a Sunday Times number one best-selling author <laughs> after he had told me that he's an architect so obviously when he'd asked me what I do it was after him telling me what he does he was telling me he's an architect and I know he wanted to impress me because he was telling me about how he lives in the house that he designed which is obviously quite you know, that's impressive. That's cool. Good on you. I mean, that makes sense for the age that you are. You're in your late 40s, early 50s. That sounds like a sizable accomplishment, given that architecture, you've got to spend at least seven years in university. 
And then you got to spend more years actually in that vocation, leveling up into the position that you hope to hopefully be in and have those financial achievements to match X, Y, Z. So him telling me that he lives in the house that he designed. Great flex, uncle. That's nice. <laughs> then he asked me what I do. When he asked me what I do, I was like in two minds because I've got two answers that I usually give. Yeah. Because I've always got a lie prepared. And the thing is, this lie isn't necessarily like a, oh my God, such a fake lie. It's just a very, it's just a remixed version of what I do, but it just sounds less impressive and it just sounds more vague. So the lie that I usually tell guys when they ask me what I do, whether I'm in a dominatrix event or not, sometimes I just don't want to tell them what I do in it. I don't, I don't need them to, to know me like that. So sometimes I'll tell them that I work from home because that's a more common thing now. Post-pandemic, it's very common for people to work from home um, as opposed to pre-pandemic where it might be like, oh, what do you do? You work from home. Okay, what does that entail? So I usually tell them I work from home and I work in social media marketing. So, you know, that doesn't sound far from what I do because technically, technically it could be argued that me... Also occupying the influencer space. That's an involvement in social media marketing, you know? But anyway, I tell them that I work from home. I work in social media marketing. If they really want to know more, I the, this is the actual lie here. The lie that I might add for, you know, adding some salt and pepper is I work for a boutique social media agency that has just started. The reason I give these vague details is so they don't know how much money I'm making. Because it's the amount of money you're making that can like make a guy start to feel small or it might make him want to help you or it might make him feel more excited about possibly being of service to you. So I know that if I tell a guy that I'm a Sunday Times number one bestseller, they're gonna, they're, their erection is going to literally like minimise. <laughs> because they don't feel like they can impress me unless that man is twice as accomplished as I am. It's not impossible to meet a man who's twice as accomplished as I am, but the chances are much slimmer, generally speaking. And I'm aware of that. Um, and I'm not going to not be an accomplished woman. I'm just great. So what can I do? <laughs> anyway, I told this Mr. Silver Fox that I am a Sunday Times number one best-selling author to see what would happen. And of course, what I thought would happen ended up happening, being that after I told him that I'm a Sunday Times number one best-selling author, he... <laughs> um, <laughs> the conversation kind of went quiet from there and then he said to me that he's going to go to the toilet and he never came back and then maybe like 20 minutes later I saw him uh, on his knees sucking another woman's toes I wasn't angry at it it's like look a man is always going to go where he feels most like a man in it and we can argue day in, day out about what masculinity means and what it means to be a man. And if you're a feminist, you're going to have a very different definition of what a man should mean compared to what men view. So you can have all of your whimsical definitions of, oh, masculinity shouldn't make men do X, Y, Z. Men should feel more comfortable without having a cheap... That's your own. Men are going to define themselves according to how much money they make, according to how much they feel like a man compared to other men. And there's nothing your feminism can do to change that because men are not reading the feminism that we're reading, bro. They're just going off of what works for them every day. They're not questioning their programming or conditioning in the way we do. So even if you have modern beliefs that men should be more than their money, which I agree, but that's not how men see themselves. So with that being said, I know that I'm going to emasculate men who are not twice as accomplished as I am and that's okay now where this fits into what I'm talking about here in terms of fetishizing 
women and that fetishization being the submissive man and dominant woman dynamic here. What I've noticed is that for a lot of submissive men, if not most of them, they derive pleasure from submitting to a woman who they know that they are still more powerful than because the woman's power that they're drawn to is that woman's sexual power and that woman's like powerful essence as a, as a woman, as a being. They don't like it if that woman happens to actually be like way more accomplished than them. Like I'm talking financially more accomplished. Maybe it's like way, 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 way smarter than them. They don't always like that because for these men, it's quite endearing for them to be this powerful man who is choosing to so benevolently give his power away to this powerful, cute woman. And then because it's a sexual power that's being exchanged. Like that's literally it. So that's quite interesting seeing the ways that submissive men fetishize dominant women. Like they're still gonna conditionally fetishize you. So like if you're way more accomplished than him, if you've got way more money than him, he's not gonna enjoy being of service to you because he feels like he can't please you even though he, if you've told him what pleases you, he's still not gonna feel as excited to do it as he would feel to please and serve a woman who he's making way more money than and he can still feel like a man and he can still derive masculinity from knowing that he's this masculine man who chooses to be submissive to a powerful woman. It's so interesting how them dynamics work, but that's, that's really how men be behaving. Another one, flipping it round, male doms and female subs. In the context of fetishization, I find that this is this is why I'm somehow I'm on the fence about like women enjoying submitting to men. The reason I'm on the fence is because it's like, yeah, but like, don't men have enough dominion in society as it is? Like, you're gonna submit again? You're gonna give them more submission again? <laughs> That's how I feel about it. But of course, there's nuance, and I know that there are men who make it very safe and loving to submit to them sexually. Like, I'm not saying that I would never, ever, ever sexually submit to a man. The chances are slim, never zero though. <laughs> but if, I, if I'm trying to imagine an instance where I would be a switch in a dynamic with a man and switch meaning that I'm not the dom that I am and I instead embrace a sub role with a man yeah that would only be sexually for like a novelty time being like it might be obvious not even might it would have to be that he's definitely a financial provider um it would obviously have to be that I feel so safe with him and I've got years of experience with him as a human being like I need to trust him a lot and me choosing to submit to him would be like just another fun hat we put on in the relationship like it's not gonna be that I'm suddenly this submissive wife like that's not happening but outside of that I'm not into the idea of like my default setting being that I just love being submissive towards men, any man, all the men it's like no because it's like a man that deserves a woman's submission would have to be a man that's genuinely very, very emotionally intelligent and responsible with authority and someone who makes sure that you're taken care of completely, thoroughly, 
to a high degree of excellence. And I just don't think most men are capable of that. But there are dominant men who they fetishize submissive women. And they don't even have to know about your sexual antics to still fetishize you as a submissive person because they know that a lot of women, they just want validation from men. So if you're a woman who is meek and sensitive and insecure you're going to attract men who are like malevolently dominant <laughs> like there's like there's like the good dominant and there's like the scary dominant and i mean scary as in this is worrying and you should probably like get out of there girl the good dominant like i described earlier is the one that's like wholesomely loving and he's gonna make sure you've eaten good he's gonna you know utilize that dominant energy to make you feel as well taken care of as possible and maybe call you a good girl if you're into that um but the ones that are like malevolently negatively dominant are the ones who like they just derive their masculinity and they call themselves an alpha male from like bullying you and like d intimidating you so you gotta be careful because there are a lot of men who fetishize a woman's innocence and fetishize a woman's desire to be like loved by a man like, they they be knowing what you want. They be knowing that women are desperate. They be knowing that women, a lot of women have this Fifty Shades of Grey fantasy, which can I say Fifty Shades of Grey is so dry, <laughs> in my personal opinion. <laughs> um, I just want to see a flipped version and a more intellectualised version and a more thought-through version of Fifty Shades of Grey where the woman is a dom. I would love to see it cough cast me <coughs> cough <laughs> no joke though another one another dynamic that i observe in the in the fetishization conversation is the dynamic between pole dancers and civilian men and this one is kind of like i'm interchanging this with dynamics between sex workers and civilian men because you know not all pole dancers are sex workers however pole dancing is rooted in sex work and the perception that majority of people have of pole dancing is that it is a sexualized activity. So whether you're a sex worker or not, pole dancing is still seen as sexual for the most part. And that's usually when men are looking at you and consuming your pole dancing. As a pole dancer myself, I have definitely noticed the ways that civilian men when I say civilian men I mean just like usual normal men in the world like men who are not pole dancers <laughs> or men who are not in our industry of pole dancing or sex work or whatever you want to like label it under <clears throat> I've noticed that these men be fetishizing pole dancers especially if that pole dancer is not a sex worker like in my case as an example I'm not a sex worker however I choose to wear skimpy clothes and eight inch plus heels that strippers wear i love wearing skimpy clothes i love dancing erotically and i know that there are men who they think that is for them because they're delusional and uneducated and they are just gross um and i also know that there are men who think that because my artistic expression is sexual it means that I am sexually available to them they also fetishize me in a way where 
if I respond to them giving me a compliment about my pole dancing, they see it as the equivalent of when you think the stripper likes you because they see me as a stripper. And when you imagine a strip club and you imagine how a stripper engages in her trade, she has to convince the man that she likes him to take his money. But these men be thinking the stripper actually likes them. So when I be responding to these guys occasionally who want to give me a compliment to try and start a conversation because they have a hard-on from watching me pole dance, they think the stripper likes them because they only see me as sexual because what I choose to do for fun eight hours a week or so is sexual. (laughs) And that's an interesting and fascinating way that men fetishize women and... I just am of the belief that wherever you sit on the spectrum of male fetishes, whether you're aware that that man has a fetish for you or not, take advantage of it in a way that suits you because men are going to fetishize you anyway. So in my case, the fact that I pole dance, (laughs) I mean, pre-pole dancing, I was already of the mentality that men have got to be financially investing in me if they want to talk to me. But now that I'm a pole dancer, oh, you're going to definitely be paying. You're going to definitely be financially investing in me if you want to date me. Ew, I ain't dating an empty-handed man, especially not as as a pole dancer. And the reason why I say, especially not as a pole dancer, is because men use women to brag. There's men who date pole dancers right now telling all their guy friends, oh, my girl's a pole dancer. Because it's about what that fantasy means to other men. Because remember that men are in a homoerotic relationship with each other where they care more about what other men think than what women who they're supposed to be attracted to as heterosexual men think. Meaning that usually these men who be dating pole dancers for the flex of it, they're excited, they're rushing, they're raring to go tell their guy friends that the girl's a pole dancer because their guy friends are of the belief that these men are getting free private lap dances when that's literally not happening, babe. Like, you know when men give you that stupid... Pole dancers will know this, where men give you that stupid, useless comment of like, oh, come dance on my pole. Really? I have heels longer than your dick, so that's not happening. Second of all, you can't... Let's not even go there, to be honest. (laughs) but you know they just see you as sexualized and because they see you as sexualized they expect you to have lower standards it's actually like no since i've become a pole dancer my standards have increased even more because i'm aware of my market value and when i say market value it doesn't mean that i'm objectifying myself i'm talking about market value in terms of how men use you to brag to other men because Women give men more social status because men derive their social status from what other men think of them. Can't be giving these men clout for free because clout is another word for social status. Can't be giving them clout for free, especially if you're a pole dancer, girl. Another fetish, which I touched on at the beginning of this episode, is plus-sized women. A lot of men have a fetish for plus-sized women. And this is why I believe that if you're a plus-size woman, similar to being a pole dancer, as a plus-size woman, you are even more in a position to really clamp down and stand firm in your worth, okay? Because there are men who will secretly desire you and 
they don't want to love you out loud because it goes back to them caring about what other men think. But the fact that men secretly desire you is because you got a lot of sauce, girl. You sexy. Listen, I look forward to what my post, if I have a baby, I look forward to seeing what my post baby weight gain looks like. Because I know exactly what I'm going to be doing to people when I, when I put on weight. You know when you get a watermelon and you squeeze it between your thighs? <laughs> I'm going to be that plus size pole dance. I look forward to it. Listen, there's no size I'll be that I can't pull a man because, listen, men be trying to make women feel like we're conditionally desirable. Shut the fuck up because you guys not inside socks. And these are the people that are buying sex dolls just so they can feel a semblance of companionship with something that represents a woman. They would, they would, they would buy a plastic person that has no autonomy just so they can have something that feels like feels as close to a vagina as possible like a human flesh vagina as possible and it still can't be replicated unless it's an actual woman and also plus size women fat women are fucking sexy okay and men know that they expect you to have low low self-esteem so they can have more access to you that's why you gotta know your worth triple that shit Stand firm in it because you are, you are a, a very, very, very popular fetish in the in the demographic that is men. That's why you need to know what you're working with. Don't let men lowball you because you're fat. Don't let men talk you out of your worth because you're fat. You being fat is not an undesirable trait. It's just another feature like having brown eyes or brunette hair. And I know that coming from a slim woman saying that, it probably won't hold the same resonance as an actual fat woman saying that. All I can hope is that you can maybe apply the reasoning of me being a marginalized person, as in I'm a black woman. I'm still a black woman. So I experience marginalization. I don't experience fat shaming or fat phobia. I have an understanding of marginalization enough to know that as a marginalized person, people are going to secretly desire me and will expect me to lower my standards in order to be with them. That's exactly the same thing that's expected of fat women, whether you're a white fat woman or a black fat woman, people will expect you to lower their standards, lower your standards to be with them because that's how the world has made you see yourself. But you don't have to see yourself in the way the world sees you. And you don't have to see yourself in the way that men see you because we can't trust the reasoning of people who literally not inside socks. On to the next one. Breadwinner women. <laughs> Breadwinner women are another group of women who are fetishized. And you lot are in big danger. I'm I'm amongst that demographic, breadwinner women. I would consider any woman who makes her own money and can financially sustain herself with spending money surplus, you're a breadwinner woman. You got to be careful because men will fetishize you, yeah, and make you feel like you're the queen of their world and you're this amazing goddess because they're looking for somebody to go halves on their bills with. Yes. That's what they want you for. They're fetishizing you for the financial ease that comes with dating you. Because they know that breadwinner women have taken on a lot of like, they've taken on a lot more masculine traits than they already have. And when I speak about feminine and masculine traits, yeah, please do not conflate it with the stuff you see on the internet of people doing their femininity coaching. This is not that. I'm talking about like 
just the duality of life, right? The yin and yang of everything. We all have feminine and masculine energy differently distributed within us as human beings. Some of us as women have more masculine energy than feminine energy, but it depends on where that masculine energy is allocated. For example, with me, you might not agree with this, but I actually feel like I have more masculine energy than feminine energy because of the way that I act. Even the fact that I do this podcast, the things I talk about, that's a very masculine thing to do. And when I say masculine, it doesn't have to always mean like, oh, a man should do it. No, it's just talking about the way that that energy is put out. So the feminine parts of me is like, you know, I'm always going to be pretty girl. Like I love being sensual. Like I said, I'm a pole dancer. I enjoy being taken care of. I love receiving gifts. I find a man more attractive when he wants to do things for me. That's a very feminine energy. And that's where my feminine energy is allocated. I'm a very creative person. Where my masculine energy kind of, I believe, offsets my feminine energy more is the fact that I'm very vocal about what I think the world should look like. And I am very much a go-getter. I'm very determined and ambitious. And Let's drop some astrology in here because we got to. <laughs> My um, astrological placements lean more masculine than feminine because I'm a fire sign sun, I'm an air sign moon, and I'm an air sign rising. Fire signs and air signs are masculine. Earth signs and water signs are feminine. Because remember, the duality of life and everything exists on a polarity. So... Me being a Sagittarius means that I'm very determined, very go-getter, very goal-getter. I will find my way there if you're coming or not. That's a very masculine mindset. Um, having a Gemini moon, I'm very vocal and talkative and outgoing about my ideas. It's another very masculine trait. And then the Libra rising, you know, even though Libra is ruled by the feminine planet being Venus, Libra does have some masculine uh, tendencies like you know Libras love a debate we love to stand up for justice we're very very again ideas based head in the clouds we're very aesthetic whether it's the way that we like to appear or what we find value in other people we care about how things look you know so I'm aware that I have a, a more masculine presence to my energy and I love that for me and that's why I chose to be a dominatrix because I enjoy giving men tasks and watching them do it and just seeing what happens. Like, I just love that. And I also enjoy receiving gifts. And that's the feminine side of me. But generally speaking, if you're a breadwinner woman, you probably have more masculine energy. And men who are, I guess, their situations have feminized them and their lack of will and drive and the patriarchy that enables them has feminized them to such an extent that they want a woman that's going to help them pay their bills, they want a woman that's going to pamper them and court them like a woman. If you're a breadwinner woman, you are likely to be attracting the men who will use reverse psychology tactics to entice you. And when I say you attract men who will use reversally, reverse psychology tactics to entice you, I mean they're the type of men who will know that you're a breadwinner woman, who will know that you're successful on your own terms and on your own effort and on your own merit. And they will use things like deliberately ignoring you to see if you're going to chase them. They will deliberately not compliment you, but deep down they desire you and they know that most breadwinner women slash masculine women are likely to fall for that and start chasing those men because most breadwinner women, unfortunately, still have that mindset that, oh, I have everything. I have it all. I have a well-paying job. 
I have a dog, I pay for my own apartment, but I just lack one thing, one thing, a man. I just need a man. And the man that you usually settle for as a breadwinner woman is just some, any random mediocre man who can just fill a masculine space in your apartment for you. <laughs> just so you can say you have a man. Like, these men be fetishizing breadwinner women because they be just fetishizing the chance of having their bills paid by a woman. So you need to be careful of that. Same thing applies to highly educated women. I would I would lump them in with the breadwinner women because if you're highly educated, you probably are able to find money and make money. Or you're just you're just really, really intelligent. And you know, if you're highly educated, you have to be careful of dating men who are not on your level of intelligence because the, you're just gonna be losing brain cells and money because you're paying their way for them but men be fetishizing highly educated women but suddenly that fetish goes away when that woman is educated enough to know her worth isn't that peculiar <laughs> um and i also feel like you know we could go in and out spend all day talking about the ways that men fetishize women but i don't think it's the end of the world if a man fetishizes you it's about what you're going to do to take advantage of that fetish like, as someone that, you know, has been a dominatrix for, I would say, like, what, two years? But I'm not a professional dominatrix. I would say I'm a lifestyle dominatrix, meaning that I dip in and out when I feel like it. I've noticed that, yeah, majority of my subs have been white men. I've had black male subs before, but majority of my subs have been white men. I've never asked them whether they have a fetish for black women, but probably they do. Have I taken their money? Yes. Will I take their money again? Yes. Do I like taking their money? Yes. Do black women deserve reparations from white men? Yes. Do black women deserve service from white men? Yes. So whether you have a fetish for me or not, that's your own. As long as I'm getting my needs met here, I'm not that pressed because I'm not marrying none of you lot. I'm not spending the rest of my life with none of you lot. And if I'm going to possibly encounter a man who has a fetish for me and I'm somehow not aware, he needs to also have a fetish for paying money into my bank account. And we're good. 